All right, so we're doing identity um, this next month. So if y'all want to turn, if you have your books, you should, let's see, 26 is where it starts. Page 26. Anybody else experience this? My page will I hope yours don't. <laughs> um, all right, so last month we talked about love, and then this month we're going to talk about identity. And um, this, I'm really excited about identity. I, if there was one thing I could always teach on, it would be identity because I think it's so important. We think it's so important um, at Wesley that we know um, who we are. And um, I, I really think you're going to have some good discussion this month in your groups um, just about discovering um, maybe some people already know or think they know who God says they are. Um, but we just want to go into it with a, a clean slate and just ask the Lord to really speak into our lives this year about this month about who we are. Um, if there's um, one thing we could teach and want you to leave with, there's not because there's tons. But um, when you leave here as a student, this is what we want God to write on your heart, that you're his child and that you love who you are because he made who you are. And, um, and so this is one of those foundational things for us. It is a foundation, but beyond this year, this is something that we at Wesley want every student to know um, and be able to live in and to walk in. Because we think if you can understand, if we can understand um, our position with, with God and then how he sees us, then we open up ourselves to just the abundant life and to all that he has for us. So the first week, um, you are going to talk about um, being a child of God. Um, the, the goal of this is to understand our identity as children of God that are loved unconditionally by a father, by our father. Um, so you're going to look at two different scriptures and um, you're going to talk through what does it mean to have, um, what does it mean just to the identity, the word of identity. So you're going to kind of talk through that, have them open up with um, what does that mean to, to have an identity. Um, and then um, the primary thing we want you to do is talk about our position as a child. So as he is our father and that we are his children. And that first scripture is going to really walk you through that. Um, we're gonna, you're going to see through the questions that you're going to um, ask questions like, what does it mean to be the, um, the child of an earthly parent? Um, and, and then you may get answers that, um, like, they love us, they protect us, they provide for us. Um, but then we also realize that not all of us have come from an environment that way. So we want you to be just sensitive and recognize that there are, even some of you may not have an, an environment that taught you that. And um, we want you to, to just be sensitive to that and then really focus on that even though that is not, God wants to heal that, he wants to bring you from that, but he wants to show you that he is a good father um, and that you are his child that is unconditionally loved. And so that's really our focus. Like we want God to be invited into those places um, that maybe Maybe they, you didn't grow up or they didn't grow up in an environment like that, but that God can show them and break through um, that, that he is their father in that place. So you're going to have those conversations. You're going to talk a little bit about their relationships, your relationships with your parents and um, how that has influenced you um, both positively and maybe negatively. And then again, 
Um, if things come up and you aren't sure um, how to deal with it, maybe in a group, I would encourage you to talk one-on-one -on -one about those things. Sometimes those things can be sensitive, um, and so then just circle back to it when you're in a one-on-one -on -one conversation um, with them. Um, and then also, just as a reminder, that we are always here for you to talk through any of those kinds of things if you want to come talk about um, just things that may have come up in your, your meetings or with your coach, of course. Um, so you're going to kind of talk through that, and then um, the next part is uh, that's kind of where our position that we're children, um, what all does that mean for us to be a child of God? You're going to talk through those kinds of things. And then um, how, is, how should that affect our lives? Um, knowing that we are a child of God, that we've been created by him, that he loves us unconditionally, how should that affect our daily life? And that's where we're going to kind of end um, that part of it. Um, the last thing, it, you'll go into a different scripture. It's Romans 8, 16 and 17. It talks about us being heirs. So not as a child of God, we are an heir to his kingdom. Um, and that gives us access, um, and that gives us access to the abundant life. And so you're going to talk through, like, what does that mean? What is the abundant life? Um, the abundant life is eternity, but it's also things here. Um, it's living in love and living in um, being able to walk confidently um, in your identity. It's being able to live free from sin. It's all of the things that he has given us access to through death on the cross. That's the abundant life. Um, and so the takeaway here is that we want our students to know that how we view ourselves and our identity, um, it, it does shape how we live. Um, whether we realize it or not, the things that we believe ourselves about ourselves, um, we will live out of. And so we want to have that right understanding of our relationship with God so that we can live as a, a confident child of his. Um, and out of that place of knowing that we're loved, knowing that we're accepted, knowing that we are secure because of him. So that's week, week one. Does anybody have any questions about week one? And then week two um, is going to go into a little bit more of a deeper. The first one is more um, just definition, identity, what is it, um, who does God say that we are in a broad sense as a child of his. The second lesson is um, created and known by God. And in this one, um, we are going to focus on the scripture Psalm 139. And this is something that most all of us, have heard and probably heard a lot, Psalm 139. It's the scripture that goes through that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And I think it's so easy for us just to spout that off and think nothing about it. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, but we want you to really use this scripture and um, as a way to, to hear what God has to say to us individually. Um, and so you're going to be given some um, instructions on how to do that when you look into the details, but um, we want you to encourage your students to really um, ask God to show them something new in this passage um, that speaks directly to them for where they are. Um, there's the question is going to be, did God, as you read through the whole thing, did God highlight something to you that you haven't known before? Um, and then you're going to have some conversation around that. And um, the main point of going through this kind of step by step, um, is that David explains in his 
as he's talking and saying this, that um, he praises God because of the way he was made. Like he has this understanding that um, how he was how he was made was unique and good. Um, and so one of the questions, this isn't in there, but one of the questions that um, as directors, girls, we talked about was, um, can I praise God for how I'm made? Like in lots of aspects of my life, am I in a place where I'm actually praising him for how, I, how he made me? Um, and so that might be something you want to add um, that we, we talked about that we thought would be really good. Um, you're going to talk through a little bit of like um, just comparison and how that's a trap for us. That when um, we can't see ourselves the way that God sees us and live in that, then we often compare ourselves to other people. And then that becomes a trap in our relationships where, um, one, you may not be able to have a, a close relationship with someone because of that comparison. Or you just never can get out of the condemnation or not measuring up. So you're going to have some discussion about, about that as well. Um, but the key in all of this is that we um, want to be able to get to that place where we can like who God made us to be. Um, and that's going to be really um, what we're going to focus on in this, that we ask God to, to reveal that to us if we haven't gotten to the place where we can walk in that confidently, that we love and like who he's created us to be because it's good. And he says that. Um, to us over and over again in different ways in this um, scripture. Um, the last thing on here is um, you're going to, if you have this out, there's a list of um, who I am in Christ. And you can use this a whole, just a lot of different ways, but we want you to use it in your groups. Um, at the end, of just take some time to ask each person um, to really reflect on that. Um, you can do that in your group by going through and reading each one. You can have, maybe there's five of you in your group, and each person reads off one at a time. And then you um, maybe you talk about which ones came, came to mind that you're not walking in, that maybe you don't believe about yourself. Um, and then spend some time praying over each other about those things. Um, be creative. There's a lot of different ways you can use that. That's that's how the girl directors did it. That doesn't mean you have to do it that way. Um, the, I'm not sure what the guys did. I don't know how they're going to use that part. But Aaron might can speak to that in a minute. <laughs> but there's a lot of ways you could do that. You could, um, if you don't feel like your group is quite confident enough yet to like have that kind of conversation about what they're not, what they're believing, maybe you give it to them and say, "Hey, take this home this week, and in your personal time with God, um, really ask Him if there's anything here He wants you to walk in." Um, that you're not currently knowing about yourself. Um, and then come back in two weeks and let's discuss it together and then pray for each other that this will be the semester that we're able to say, um, I, I am God's child. I mean, that's the first one. Um, or I am God's friend. You know. So um, I think this is a really good tool for us to begin to walk out of some of those lies that we believe about ourselves that God wants to replace with these truths. So, does anybody have questions on that one? Okay. I thought I had one more thing that I thought I was going to tell you. Oh, um, I think just 
it came to my mind earlier and I forgot to say it. Just that um, I think God really wants us to take away from this whole, from identity, um, that he knows us. Um, that he doesn't just, um, he, he knows us so intimately, so deeply. Like, and when you read this scripture in Psalm, um, think about it from that perspective that like, in the deepest parts of who we are, he knows us and loves us and accepts us. And, um, and that's really important. And we all, like, we want to be known, and he knows us. Um, and so I just want to leave that kind of with you, just that um, he knows us and he loves us. So I think Aaron's going to come finish up here. So thanks. We're not going to be talking about body, soul, spirit tonight. So y'all try to ignore that if you can. Um, but I, we're going to address a couple things real quick. First thing I'm going to do is I want to talk to y'all a little bit about the Discipleship website app and just kind of clarify a few things. Y'all's eyes just got so big, which makes me really glad I'm doing that. My legs aren't long enough to hit that. Went running a couple days ago. I'm like sore. So I got there the second time. Um, okay. Let's just all take a deep breath. Don't let it out yet. Let it linger. Now let it out. One more time. In. Hold it. Let it out. I don't know anything about biology, so I don't know if holding your breath for that long was good or bad, but it just felt right. Okay. The app is not supposed to scare you. It is not supposed to be a pain in your butt. It's supposed to help you and then help you help us so that you can help us help you. I don't know if you caught it, but I'm 95% sure everything I just said was actually right. Okay, so I'm gonna say it one more time. The app's supposed to help you, it's supposed to help you help us, and it's supposed to help us help you, okay? It is not supposed to stress you out. It's way, way better than what we used to do. So, amen. <laughs> And so we're so, I'm so sorry if it stresses you out. I'm so sorry if it makes you feel like this really burdensome thing. But I'm going to be honest with you, it's really necessary. It's really, really necessary. And it's a lot better than what we used to do. And here's why. So we have been entrusted with 903 people to disciple this year. And that is beyond anything that we ever asked or imagined. Because that's what God does, is God does more than we ask or imagine. Two years ago, I prayed that God would give us 600 people to disciple. And when I told Bob that, he did the like Grinch, Cindy Lou, like, oh, that's real nice, and sent me on my way. And that year, he didn't. But now, he's given us 300 more than that. And so six, 600 was way beyond what we could have asked or imagined two years ago, it was huge. And now it is like the least of all of our realities. And so God has given us 903 people to disciple. And every single one of those people is so important to us because they're so important to Him. And we just can't keep up with 903 people 
like we wish we could. And so we had to come up with a, a, a best we can do kind of a system. And so we created this website, um, this mobile app that allows y'all to tell us when your meetings are and aren't happening. And so that's the primary function right now that the app's used for, is y'all just tell us, hey, did your meeting happen or not? And then give us some basic information about it. How long did it last? Which of the five elements happened? And then there's a comment section, which, clarification real quick, is for y'all. It's not for us. We are hopefully days away from adding the functionality of the app to whenever you go to your schedule page and you click on a person that you disciple, we're going to have a drop down screen where you can go back and you can look at how many times have they missed discipleship, how often do each of the elements occur, and then there will be a log of all of the comment notes that you've made so that you can go back and look at, okay, what is this person growing in? What kind of stuff have we talked about in the past? What was I supposed to be praying for them for? All that stuff. Because we understand that it's really hard to remember everything. Um, and, and some of us are really good at writing things down. Some of us aren't. And so that is going to be available to you, like I said, hopefully in the next few days. Um, so until then, keep taking notes. And then as soon as that's ready for you, you can, you can use that. But the actual process of you telling us, is your meeting happening or not, is so important. Because it's really the only way that we can know um, that these 903 people are just even beginning to have the experience that they want to experience. And then on top of that, what we're going to do is once a month, we're going to send them out a survey that asks them three really simple questions about their experience. Um, it, it, that is in no way, shape, or form us saying that we don't believe in y'all or trust you. It's just us trying to be as faithful as possible to what we've been entrusted with, okay? And so here's the, here's the thing about student discipleship, and this has always been the hurdle that we're trying to get over. We are asking y'all to do the job of an employee, but you don't actually work for us, right? So our 82 interns that work for us, that we see every day, Monday through Thursday, that, that we get to constantly ask, how's everything going? That we invest in all that jazz. We're asking y'all to do the same stuff that they're doing in discipleship, but we only get to see y'all like once a month at best. And so we understand that a lot of times when, you, when your coaches are texting you and emailing you, it can sound like you're just like, oh my gosh, get off my back. I'm doing the best I can. Like, why are you contacting me all the time? Leave me alone. And I wish we could. But the people that you're discipling are way too important for us to hand you a bunch of names, send you on your way, and then hope y'all do a good job. We believe in you. We trust you. But at the end of the day, our job is more than to believe in y'all and to trust you. It's also to hold y'all accountable because of how important the people that y'all disciple are. Does that make sense? If we have ever in the past or will ever in the future, which is almost a certainty, made y'all feel like y'all aren't important to us, I just really want y'all to hear us say that we're sorry for that. Like we never want y'all to believe that y'all aren't important to us, okay? What we want y'all to hear 
is that y'all are so important to us, which is why that we get on to y'all's disciples' backs about making sure that they're doing their jobs and making sure that y'all's meetings are happening and making sure that y'all's meetings are good. And then the flip side of it is the people that y'all disciple are so important to us that we just want to hold y'all accountable to make sure that, that y'all are doing what y'all need to do in order to make their experience everything that we told them it would be when they signed up. Is that fair? Okay, so the app. Do it. Use it. Tell us whether or not your meetings are happening. Um, the second clarification with the app, which is really important, is this whole email thing. So I heard that y'all are terrified that in a couple days you're going to have a meeting with Bob and he's going to yell at you. And that's not the case yet. Hopefully never. Here's how the email thing works. We, in the beginning, we were just trying to figure this whole thing out. And so we didn't know exactly how to communicate it clearly to y'all, and now we do. When y'all have a meeting on Wednesday at 2 o'clock, maybe? Yeah? That night, if you haven't filled out your report for that meeting at Wednesday at 2 o'clock, you're going to get an email at 8 o'clock that says, hey, you have an unreported meeting or whatever we wrote that it says. That, to us, is not your first warning. What we are going to do is give you until the end of the week to fill out all of your reports. So Sunday night, the app is going to run its email thingy just like it does every night. But if on Sunday you still haven't filled out your reports, to us, that's strike one or whatnot, okay? So what we need y'all to do is by the end of the week, Sunday morning, I wouldn't wait that long because I'm just a really forgetful person, Friday, Saturday, whatever it is, we want you to make sure that all of the, the instances of discipleship, your reports, that, that you filled those out on the app. So that Sunday night, by Sunday night at 8 o'clock, all of that is taken care of. Is that clear? Yes? Does anyone have any questions about that? Please ask. Don't be afraid. Yes. Thank you so much. might be but it might not who knows the internet is weird um, if you ever have an issue with the app email leegrow.wesley at gmail.com if you can't log in email leegrow.wesley at gmail.com if you can't schedule your meetings if there's a meeting that popped up that you weren't supposed to have in that case email us because we want to fix that for you and we can go in and we can fix it. If there's ever a meeting that for some reason pops up um, that you actually didn't schedule, here's, here's the best mode of operation. Click no, it didn't happen because it didn't. And then when it says why, put because this isn't a real meeting and then email that email that that happened. Does that make sense? So you email us so that we can fix it, but then go ahead and press no 
because this isn't a meeting, type that in there so that you don't have a, an outstanding meeting sitting there so that Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, now you've got to meet with Bob. Just kidding, that's not exactly the way it happens. You get an email every night. Does that make sense? If you ever have a problem, just email us. Y'all are doing a great job of letting our coaches know, but sometimes things just slip minds, so maybe it takes a week or two for y'all to let your coach know, and then it takes a few days for your coach to let me know. If you have any problems, just email that email address and we'll take care of it. Does that make sense? Great question. Any other questions? Yes. So whenever you're going to reschedule a meeting, you always want to press reschedule. Because once you press no, then that meeting didn't happen, it never has, never will. So that's a great question, great clarification. If you don't know when you're going to make it up, rather than just leaving it as an unreported meeting and getting those emails every single night, press reschedule for the next day. And then try to find a time to reschedule it. And if you do, then the next time it pops up, reschedule it to the actually rescheduled time. If it doesn't, do the next day, then the next day. And you're basically just pressing snooze. Does that make sense? And then eventually, if you get two, if you get like a week and a half, like where you haven't rescheduled the meeting, guess what? You're about to meet again. So you're not gonna make up that meeting. That's totally fine. Like we don't actually expect y'all to meet every single week all semester. It's just not going to happen. Stuff's going to come up. We don't want you missing like multiple times every single month. Um, but at that point, once you get to five, six, seven days out, you're about to meet again and you're just at your next meeting. So then you would just press no. But that snooze idea works pretty well. Does that make sense? Great, great question. I think I did. Yeah, I touched on it. Yeah. So we don't actually look at those. They're available to us technically, but we don't look at those. So y'all write whatever y'all want. If y'all write, hey, Lindsay or Aaron, you're wasting your time because we don't look at it. <laughs> Although, if I scroll through that and it just randomly, I don't know, I still would. So if y'all really want to write us a note, then you can. We'll put it in an Excel file. We'll find it. But we don't, we don't have time for that. Yes. Yeah, no question. You want to tell us hi, just find us and say hi. Does that make sense? It did in my mind. Any other questions? Those are, were really great questions. like 900 reports every week we don't have time for that for real so we we care we we don't have time to care that much 
So, okay, just to clarify, if you have a meeting on Wednesday and you forget, I, like, can I just be real with y'all for a second? I got an email yesterday. I did. I, I don't have to meet with Bob. It's great. I meet with Bob anyways. He's plenty of opportunities to yell at me. But I got an email yesterday because I had a DT at 1 o'clock. And then I had to go to two-story from 2 to 4. And then I had to be at Tate at 4.30. And the next thing you know, it's 11 o'clock. I'm sitting in the drive-thru at Steak and Shake just trying to get food for the night. Because I just couldn't shake it. There was like an eight-car line at Steak and Shake. I pulled in and I was like, I cannot believe I'm about to do this myself. And I did it. I waited 20 minutes for Steak and Shake. Stupid. But I did. And I'm looking through my emails. And I'm just like, oh, crap. Got an email. That's fine. It's a reminder the night of. The day of, it's still a rem the, like The next day, it's still a reminder, but it's kind of like a, hey, come on, reminder. The next day, that's not really a reminder. That's just us bugging you. But guess what? It takes five seconds. If you get an email on Sunday night, that's when we start to send you an email on Monday morning that says, hey, we really need you to do this. This is strike one. Strike two, you get to have a lovely conversation with Lindsay and Aaron. Strike three, that's when you got talked about. That's when you're out. Does that make sense? Does everyone feel a little better? Everyone close your eyes. If you close your eyes, Sarah. <laughs> if you feel a little bit better about the app, raise your hand. If you feel a lot bit better about the app, raise your hand. If you're probably never going to like the app, but you're humoring me by raising your hand, raise your hand. Thank y'all for your honesty. Lindsay, put your hand down. Just kidding. She didn't have it up. All right. Can we be done with that? Great. That it, a year from now, the app's going to do a lot of cool things. It'll be fun. Um, right now, we're just trying to basically teach a bunch of people who have never used it before, including ourselves, how to use it. And so we have to have like minimal features. And right now, just tell us if your meetings are happening or not. And then as we, what happened? Is that yours? That is a lot of meetings. <laughs> that ain't right. Oh my gosh. I don't feel as good about the app anymore. But that's all right. Okay, let's just pray to be done with the app. Like, not like to be done with it. We're not going to pray to be done with it. Some of y'all are right now. We're going to pray so that we're done with that portion and we'll move on. Jesus, thank you for the internet. Thank you for how readily available it is to each of us so that we are without excuse. That was quoting the Bible. Um, and so I just pray you help us. Amen. All right. Let's talk about Jesus, shall we? Okay, so each time that we meet together, we're going to give you all a little bit of like a discipleship snippet. And during this time, we're going to talk about it from y'all's standpoint, y'all's relationship with Jesus. And then the following month in coaching, we're going to talk about the other side of the coin, which is how does this idea, how does this topic help you become not only a better follower of Jesus, but also a better discipler of people who are trying to follow Jesus. Okay. All right, so today we're going to talk about Mary and Joseph, who are the mother and father of Jesus, as disciplers, right? So who did they disciple? They discipled Jesus. Imagine you coming to relaunch and us handing a piece of paper that here's who you're going to disciple this year. 
and it says Jesus Christ, Son of God. I don't know about y'all, but that would freak me out. Like, I would be so overwhelmed. But here's the thing. Mary and Joseph actually did that. They had a baby. Well, they did, but the thing that happens before the baby, that didn't happen to get the baby. But they had a baby. That baby was Jesus, and then their job was to raise Jesus, okay? So how in the world did they do that? All right, let's read some, some of the Bible. Let's start in Luke 1. So here's what happens in Luke 1, verse 26. It says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, told you, pledged to a man to be married to him, and his name was Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Okay? So Mary was freaked out because an angel shows up. And then he's like, You're highly favored by God. And then he realized that she's scared. So he says, Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. And he says, He will be a great he will, be, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Alright, then we're going to jump to Matthew. Okay, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together... She was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. All right, then we go to chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Okay, so, so this tells us, uh, oh, sorry, before we go there, let's go back to Luke. Back to Luke chapter 2. And verses... 25. Alright, so this is the story of the shepherds. They're out in their fields. All of a sudden they see a sky full of angels. And the angels tell them where to go to find this baby Jesus. Um, and it says that... Hold on a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they go and they basically just begin to tell Mary and Joseph everything that they saw. That the sky began to be filled with angels being glory to God in the highest. Mary and Joseph, they're awed. Then they take him to Jesus to the temple, and there's this guy named Simeon. And Simeon has been waiting for the Messiah. Now, they didn't exactly know what the Messiah was. All they knew is that when the Messiah showed up, that God's people were going to be saved. And he begins to declare over Jesus, this baby, that he's the one that his people have been waiting for. And his parents are just sitting there. And this 
baby that they just had without what they didn't have is being declared to be the savior of his people. All right, now let's go back to Matthew. So then the Magi showed up. Those are the three wise men. Okay? So they talk to King Herod. King Herod tells them where to go, tells them to come back when they found him, but they didn't because they're smart. And then it says that after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with many gifts of gold and incense and of myrrh. And it says that Mary heard everything that the shepherds said, everything that the wise men said, and, they tr and that she treasured those things in her heart. Okay, why is it important that all of that stuff happened? Why is it important that an angel showed up and told Mary what to name Jesus? And what he was going to do. Why is it important that an angel did the same thing for Joseph? Why is it important that, that shepherds came and that wise men came? It, it's because Mary and Joseph needed to know who Jesus was and what he had been put on this earth to do. And that is the place that they discipled him from. They discipled him from the place of knowing who he was and what he was put on this earth to do. Because there's, there were times in Jesus' life where he needed his parents to believe those things for him and then with him. There were times in Jesus' life where he needed his parents to believe for him that he was the person that the angel said he was and that he would do what the angel said he would do. Because when Herod began to kill all, all of the Jewish kids, his parents took him and they fled to Egypt, not because they loved their, their son. I mean, like any parent would do that. But I, I just have to believe that there was an urgency and there was a desperation in Mary and Joseph when they fled to Egypt that went beyond just their baby boy because their baby boy didn't just re represent a child that they loved. He represented the hope of all of their people. And at that point, Jesus was totally unable to do anything for himself. That's a weird statement. But I believe it. I believe that there were years and years and years where Jesus didn't really know who he was and didn't know what he was put on this earth to do. I have two little boys. Their only concern is food, Mickey Mouse on the TV, and then whatever ball they can find. They don't know who they are. And they don't know why they were put on this earth. And what they need is they need, need me, and they need my wife to know that for them and to raise them in light of that even before they know it. And so we're believing who our children are created to be, not with them yet because they don't know it. We're believing it for them. And, and Mary and Joseph had to do that for Jesus then Jesus began to grow. He began to receive revelation from, from the Father. And he began to know why he was put on this earth. Exactly when, I'm not sure. 
But then he needed people to believe those things with him. Mary and Joseph, his disciples, his friends, the people that followed him, they believed who Jesus was and what he was put on this earth for with him. And the people that we disciple need those same two things. They need us to believe who they are and also what they were created for. And sometimes they're going to need us to believe that for them. And sometimes they're going to need to believe that with them. Okay? But this isn't about them tonight. This is about y'all. Each and every one of you. I mean, we just, Lindsay just talked about it. Each and every one of you were created by God uniquely and specifically as someone and then for something. And you need people in your life to believe those two things for you and with you. I won't make you raise your hand unless we shut our eyes again, but have y'all ever been in a season where you really didn't believe either of those things? Like you didn't believe that God created you uniquely like as someone or for something? My hope is that during those seasons, and chances are you did, you had people that even though you didn't believe those things, they still believe those things. That you had friends, you had roommates, you had family members. That even in the midst of you not believing who you are or what you were created for, they still believe those things for you. Right? And then those moments where you're like, I believe this about myself. I believe that this is who I am. I believe this is what I was created for. But I just need a little bit of help. Those are the moments where we need people to believe those things with us. And so my encouragement to y'all tonight is to find people around you who believe in who you are and then who believe in why you were created, the thing that you were put on the earth to do. And I'm not talking about like starting the next apple or, or you know, leading this great movement in the church like some of the most impactful things you will ever do are the simplest things that you'll ever do. The things that you don't even really believe are important. Right? It's right. So whether you believe that or not, I'm telling you, you were created, you were put on this earth for things that will dramatically impact people's lives. It might be two people, it might be three people, it might be 20 people. I don't know might be 2,000 people. The number of people that it impacts is far less important than the power of the impact that you make. And in order to make that happen, there's going to be seasons in your life where you need people to believe that for you, and then there's going to be seasons of your life where you need people to believe that with you. So Chris Carpentier is here to lead worship for us, and here's what I want to do is I want you to start by um, asking God who you are and why he put you on this planet. Because God has always believed in you. And if you're going to get anybody's advice, he's the perfect person to start with. God's going to believe things about you even if you never believe them about yourself. And he's going to believe things with you 
even if nobody else in the world does. So as Chris leads, you know, feel free to worship if you want. But what I want you to do is I want you to give God the opportunity to speak to you. Who are you? Who has he created you to be? Who is the person that he made fearfully and wonderfully? And then why did he make you? Beyond the fact that he loves you and beyond the fact that, that he wants you, what is the purpose that he put you on this earth for? What is it going to look like for you to, to fulfill your created calling? And just let God speak to that. Let God speak into you those things. And then, and then we're going to do one more thing. <laughs>